I'm Renee Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. Make sure that you like and subscribe to our weekly sermons so that you don't miss what is happening here at Bethel Austin. We pray that this message inspires and encourages you. And most of all, we pray that you would have an encounter with the living God today. All right, put your hand, one hand on your heart, one hand on your head. God, grow one and shut down the other. Yeah, Father, I just thank you, God, that you're here, you're present. And God, we submit our mind and our heart to you this morning. God, we say, Holy Spirit, come. Come into our hearts, fill us, God. But also come into our mind and cleanse us, God. Help us be pure in every way. Help us receive everything that you have for us this morning. God, and if I'm the one that needs to hear it, remind me that I'm not here by choice. I'm here by purpose. You brought me here this morning because there's something that you want to do in my life today. In Jesus' name, amen. Whew. Yeah, you guys can sit, I guess. I like how you guys are getting trained to where you have to ask now. How many of you were here last night? Such an amazing time last night. Such a good word on the gifts of the Spirit. And having an earnest hunger for the gifts. That really stood out. It's like the earnest desire for the spiritual gifts. Not just hey, I know it's offered, and I'd love to get that. But something that actually changes the way I live my life because I'm earnestly desiring those gifts. And, you know, we're a people in a house that earnestly pursue the spiritual gifts and the anointings of God. Would you agree with that? Say, I earnestly pursue the gifts and anointings of God. I'm watching mouths. Who's being disobedient? But I actually want to talk about something different today. And so the the title of my message is Giftings, Anointings, and Character. Yeah, some people are like, yeah. Some people are like, oh, oh. We don't like to talk about that. (laughs) Definition of character. The aggregate of features and traits that form the individual nature of some person or thing. A feature or trait or a characteristic. Moral or ethical quality. An account of the qualities or peculiarities peculiarities, love that word, of a person or thing. You guys tracking? Another way to think of this is character is a person's mental and moral qualities. While the gifting anointing is God's power and supernatural gift within us. Looking at this definition of character and the giftings and anointings, we see that they're two very different things, but they can't function without each other. 
funny, when I was thinking about this, how many of you know what a three-legged race is? Only about two-thirds of you? How many of you know you can't do a three-legged race alone? <laughs> and how many of you know if you're not in sync with the one you're doing it with, it doesn't work out? I think of the, the gifting and anointings of God and character as being that three-legged race. We have to be in step with God. He has the gifting and anointing. He brings the, the ability for us to have character. But it's our working in sync with him that actually allows it to work out in our lives. What happens when you run ahead of the gifting and anointing of God? You'll probably trip and fall. What happens when you're not moving much at all? He's dragging you. <laughs> Interesting, the word character in Greek was originally the name given to a sculptor's tool. The forming chisel used in the development of the Greek statues. Gradually, the word broadened in its meaning to include not only the tool used, but the tooling process itself. The formation and sculpting of the statues. Gradually, it also came to signify the characteristics of that piece of sculpture. It's interesting how it started off as it was the tool used. It became the process, and then it became how we actually saw and defined the end result. Character isn't just a thing. It's the source, it's the process, and it's the result in our lives. There's a quote from D.O. Moody. Character is who you are in the dark when there's no one looking and no one listening. How many of you, nobody in this room, but how many of you have ever known a person that they were different publicly than they were privately? Or different with one set of friends than they were with another? Or if we're honest, they were different when they thought of God when they thought of themselves? See, character is developed in having choices. Without choice, you don't need character. It's easy to make the right choice when there's no choice. You guys good? 1 Corinthians 2.11. But one, now how many, okay, last night I loved how Shane talked about the gifts. And part of the scripture that they used is the same scripture I had in mind. And I love that they work in tandem like this. Because it is by God's spirit that the giftings are released. But one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing each one individually as he wills. He distributes the gifts. It's by God's spirit that we walk in the anointing, but it's by our choice that we walk in character. I love this quote by Abraham Lincoln. And this is really an area that I want to focus on. Because how many of you know that sometimes character flaws will surface when things are really rough in a person's life? Like the, the harder the tension, the harder the pressure, you start to see some character things rise up. But there's another side of the spectrum that we often forget. It's like when you are so blessed, when you walk in such anointing, when things are going so good, 
it's the other time that we see character flaws begin to surface. This quote from Abraham Lincoln says, nearly all men can stand adversity, but if you want to test a man's character, give him power. I might seem like I'm going through this fast. I was joking with Renee. I actually wrote a long message. Those of you that know me know that writing a message is one feat. Writing a long message is another. (laughs) How many of you have ever read the Bible? This is a test to see if your arms work. If the person next to you didn't raise your hand, smack them and say, get in the word. I saw a couple spouses hit their spouse and go, just kidding. (laughs) Love this place. I love the Apostle Paul. I love the New Testament. I love the Apostle Paul. If you want to actually dive into what a lot of the New Testament and come to the equip classes. Those equip classes, when they start going through the different books of the Bible, it is a phenomenal way to actually immerse yourself in the revelation of what's being offered through the word in the New Testament. And the Apostle Paul wrote almost half of the 27 books of the New Testament. That should stand out to you when there is one author that wrote nearly half of the New Testament. I would say there's probably something we can learn from this man's life, from his letters. Paul's life and the books he wrote really explain what the gospel is and what it means to be a living sacrifice. I just want to go through this really quick. He preaches Christ to the Gentiles. He conveys God's plans for managing the church. He talks about what Christians should know, what Christians should do with the doctrine, specific instructions, greeting, etc. In Romans, Paul explains how the gospel works and how to respond to it. Now, this is very One sentence. It's way more than this. It just gives a snapshot. This is for those people that didn't raise their hand. Helping you out here. Corinthians, Paul admonishes the church and writes about forgiveness and reconciliation. In Galatians, Paul writes on God's grace and their freedom in Christ. In Ephesians, Paul outlines doctrine of grace, peace, and salvation and instructs the church to walk in a manner worthy of Jesus. In Philippians, Paul is suffering in prison, but finds joy in Christ and writes to the church about taking on a Christ-like attitude. That, that one right there? Mm. In Colossians, Paul writes about who they are in Christ. Thessalonians, Paul tells them that they are setting a great example for other churches. And though they're being persecuted for their faith, he encourages them to excel still more and stand firm until Jesus' return. 1 Timothy, Paul's guide to godliness and sound teaching. 2 Timothy, Paul's charge to Timothy to carry on his gospel work. And in Titus, Paul writes instructions for leading a counter-cultural counter life and a counter-cultural church. When the church begins to line up with the culture it's surrounded by, it becomes irrelevant. 
does that mean that the church should be offensive and militaristic against the culture? No, it becomes the light in the darkness. Wow. My iPad just went crazy. Shane? I think Shane is, Shane is praying against my iPad. Shane's like, make it an Android. Make it an Android. There we go. Titus 2, 7, 8, in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine, showing integrity, reverence, incorruptibility, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that one who is an opponent may be ashamed, having nothing evil to say of you, living a life beyond reproach. Does that mean that you won't be accused? Does that mean that you won't make mistakes? Who lived the only perfect life that we know? Was he accused? Was he condemned? So if you think the Christian life is doing so good that people don't actually think ill of you ever, you're living a false sense of what a Christian life is like. Your life should reflect and represent the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ. It doesn't mean that it's perfect and that no one sees fault in you or accuses you falsely. What it does mean is that your security in those words are not found in those words, they're found in his. See, right character will result in right conduct. And as we live a life of good works, we produce good fruit. A Christian that is growing and maturing is fruitful. If I become more like Christ then any character trait that I cultivate reflects that he's good. Not that I'm good. That he's good. See, sometimes we also think that being Christ-like means that you're nice to everyone. That you accept everything. I don't want to be offensive to them. I might make them turn away from Christ. Why don't you be offensive for him and let them turn towards Christ? I'd rather be offensive on his behalf then allow them to walk in a sinful life that never allows them to see who he is. Hmm. Paul uses nine words to describe the Spirit's fruit in Galatians. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long sufferings or patience, kindness, Goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. Wait, wait, say that out loud. How come four people knew that one? I, I, every time I read that, I think that's probably the hardest one for most people. Because as people in our culture, 
we're, we're told that living a life, a self-fulfilled life, a pleasing life is the goal. Self-control doesn't mean that I'm in control of everything about me to get what I want. Self-control means everything about me is submitted to him. Everything about me is actually to reflect his nature, his glory. That means the principles of the kingdom, the fruit of the spirit, the principles of those fruits should be more important to me than the pleasures that I desire. You guys okay? You guys are quiet. There's like 12 people that are excited. Soaking it in, that's good. These fruits should be the overflowing evidence that his spirit is alive and active in our, in our lives. Colossians 1, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I hope everyone knows this is how we increase in the knowledge of God. There is no more accurate representation of truth than the Bible. It is 100% true all the time. Which means you don't have to pray about a choice if it's already determined in the word of God. That's a tough one. How many of you have ever read the Bible and go, it feels like it contradicts itself? Has anybody ever else felt that? It doesn't. It completes itself. It's like a quarter. There's two sides. There's a heads and a tails, but it's one quarter. There's two sides a lot of times to the value of truth that he's trying to give us. But don't try to pray to find your version of truth beyond what's already written. This is the knowledge of God. Now, how many of you have ever watched a YouTube video or read something and you got the knowledge of something? But how many of you know that if you don't walk it out or try to work it, that knowledge is useless? So when the Bible tells us to live a certain way, it's not just this that does it for us. It's the walking it out that actually effectively makes that become a part of who we are, not just a theory about who we should be. Now I'm starting to get excited. Here was my prayer this morning. I got here a couple hours early, was over in the office praying, and I made a mistake, and actually last night, our wonderful intercessor corrected me. Thank God they corrected me. How many of you know it's good to be corrected? I had asked for prayer that there wouldn't be offense from the message today. And they corrected me and said, I hope they get offended. Let's pray they have the hearts to actually receive correction. Does that mean I'm correcting you this morning? Yes. I'm correcting me this morning. In preparing this message, there were some glaring highlights in my life that I thought, oh, I don't want to say that now. 
Because I have to respond to that now. My character is forever being worked by me through his loving hands. <laughs> I don't know about how he interacts with you. He forcefully guides me. One of my greatest mistakes is learning martial arts and becoming stubborn enough to try to fight him. Doesn't work. His forceful hand always wins. I feel like sometimes he comes to give me, you know, little correction and I try to block him or something and get out the way. And it's like, yeah, that didn't work. How many of you know that the anointings and giftings of God are attractive? Do you know that the world, when they see the supernatural operating in your life or around you, it's attractive. People are drawn to that. They want to know what's that because that's not normal. See, the giftings and anointings, they attract, but the character is what confirms and sustains. You know, sometimes I remember, I remember early on, and I've talked to so many people about this, and people sometimes think that, well, if I pray going after something supernatural and it doesn't happen, then they may not actually believe in God. How many of you, I mean, if you're honest, how many of you have ever had that thought? I don't want to... I don't want to make God look bad by praying and it not happening. Yeah. You can't do that. He's way bigger than you. You're not that important in that aspect. But how many of you know that really bad character, after seeing a supernatural gift, will actually make people begin to question? Because they're like, well... That was not something I've ever seen before, but you're something I see all the time. Are you called to try to be perfect? No. But are you called to live differently? Yes. Gifts and abilities may open doors, but character determines what we do once we're inside. Proverbs 11, the integrity of the upright will guide them. It means you'll be guided by your decisions. Proverbs 10, he who walks with integrity walks securely. Please hear me. We need the giftings and anointings. We need the presence of God. We need to be spirit-filled. I, I don't want this message to be so character-focused that we say this is what we do and we ignore the spirit. That is not what I'm saying. But if we have character and no spirit, we're just good citizens. And a decent moral existence isn't enough. There are really, really good people that don't have eternity in their future. A person of character, virtue, and honor must be spirit-filled and zealous for God. These things are evidence of the fullness of God in your life. 
when you walk in upright character, but you are hungry, earnestly desiring, and you are zealous for God, that is living a full life. See, the fullness of God doesn't mean it's a finish line. It means it's the evidence that you're headed there. That I'm walking in upright character and I'm earnestly seeking spiritual things. But being filled with the Spirit also doesn't exempt us from developing Christ-like character traits. To live Spirit-filled with character means that our attitudes, our motives, our words, and our deeds must be pure and reflect Him. We can't use the giftings and anointing of God to be an excuse to not pursue character. It is one of the hardest things as a leader to hear of church leaders that have been leading for years or even decades come into moral failure. Because what we see is the anointing and gifting on their life didn't fade. In fact, usually it grew. But somewhere along the way, because I don't believe that any of these leaders that have fallen over the centuries, I don't believe any of them started off going, if I act really good for a long enough time and get spirit filled, I can sin someday and get away with it. I, I just don't believe that that was the heart's intention in the beginning. But what I believe is that even the way Abraham Lincoln quoted it, as they begin to step into a level of anointing, when they begin to see themselves so gifted and anointed that they begin to refuse correction in their character, when they begin to refuse the accountability of those that had the word of the Lord to tell them your character is no longer aligned with the gifting and anointing in your life, when that began to slowly, and I don't think it was an immediate, I think it was a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here, a little bit here. How many of you know that if you take two points and they have just a slight variation, for a while they don't look like they're very far apart, but you go down the road, they can't even see each other anymore. When we begin to shut our lives down from the correction of our character, we actually begin to inhibit the fulfillment of God in our lives because our anointing and our gifting will take us to a certain place that our character won't be able to sustain inviting two things, inviting God to highlight in your mind and in your heart. That's why we prayed for our mind and our hearts. Allowing God to highlight and having the courage to say, God, I'm not doing good here. I actually, just two days ago, was driving in my car, crying and screaming, angry at myself and begging for God because I was saying, I don't trust you, God. Now, as a leader, hopefully you would think that I'm leading trusting God. It's not an all-in statement, but there are areas in my life that I realized a couple days ago driving. I'm like, I trust you as a whole, but in this area, I'm doing a really good job making decisions. And I'm coming up with solutions that don't actually require you because I don't trust you in this area. That's hard to do. I had to repent 
and say, God, I am sorry. I don't trust you. God, help me to trust you. Break the things in my life that need to be broken so that I have nothing else to depend on but you in this area. It was ugly. I don't understand how women can wear makeup. I'd have looked like a clown. I'd have had stuff all over the place. Oh, man. If we don't live the way the Bible's described us, we're, not, we're, we're actually contradicting the call in our lives. Psalm 15. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. There is an aspect of how we see God and how even some church movements can lean so far into the grace and mercy side that they actually think that it's okay to just let things go by. The word of God is full of ifs. It's full of conditions. See, because of the way we're wired as people, our conditions define or reject something. His don't. He has conditions, but he's fully loving and fully pursuing at all times. He never gives up on us, ever. But he has conditions. And he's requiring something more of us because we're supposed to represent something that isn't here. We're supposed to be the light of the world. If we're the light of the world, what does that mean? That the world is actually a place that light isn't as existent as it should be because we're supposed to stand out. If the world were full of light, we wouldn't stand out. So we need to be different. We need to be something that doesn't represent the norm. We need to represent what's possible. Think of it this way. The anointing does not carry character. But character is the vessel that carries the anointing. If you think of it as like a wineskin. Character is the wineskin that holds the gifting and anointings. How many of you believe that God wants you to increase in character? Mark 2, we cannot pour new wine, gifting and anointing, into old wineskin because the new will make the wineskin to crack. Your character has to change. It has to become new. Honestly, I've thought about this so much after preparing this message. It's like, God, I'm praying earnestly for the spiritual things, but I'm also almost doing a spiritual checklist of my character. Think about this. What if everyone here started the habit of reading what the spiritual fruits are? And you started the day saying, God, am I working in this and how can I do this more today? That every one of the nine spiritual fruits, I was so intently aware of them that that was my goal, was to be fruitful that day. And if I did that day after day after day, I'm earnestly seeking spiritual gifts because they are spiritual fruit, but they are activated when I 
align my character to them. How many of you have heard us say, but how many of you in your own heart and mind know something's coming? It's more than we've known before. It's not just because, you know, for the last 200 years, every time you go to a church, they're like, something's coming. I've been saved about 24 years, 25 years. And I've heard those phrases probably most of those years. But I feel like there's something different coming. It's like, if you know anything about surfing, it's like I've been sitting there watching sets come in and waiting for the bigger ones and bigger ones, but it's like there's a tidal wave coming. I don't see it because tidal waves don't show themselves until it's too late. And usually when a tidal wave comes, the water recedes farther than it used to, which means there's a lot of junk that comes to the surface. How many of you feel like lately there's a lot of junk that's come to the surface? God is about to do something significant. The weight and the size of the anointing that God wants to pour out will require us to focus on our character. Hmm. If you value the anointing on your life, there's just things you won't do. If you value the anointing on your life, there are just things you won't do. Doesn't matter how fun they are. Doesn't matter how pleasing they are. It doesn't matter the reward at the end of them. When the enemy tempted Jesus at the end of his 40 days. He offered him everything he already had. He used the word of God to tempt God. First mistake. He used the word to tempt Jesus to accept a lesser version of what he was already promised. Jesus walks in perfect character. He was not tempted by the offer of the enemy's reward because he knew what he had was better. What areas in your life, what areas in my life, am I allowing myself to say, I want this reward? This is why a few days ago, Jesus, I don't trust you. Because I can, I can get this reward. It's right here at my hands. It's available for me to have. But I don't have to trust you to get it. And if I don't have to trust you to get it, I don't want it anymore. See, there are places you won't go. There are friends and relationships that you'll leave. But I'm their, only, I'm their only witness to God. No, you're not. You're their witness to compromise. Let them go. 
There's clothes you won't wear. I'm not just talking to the women because women get the bad rap on this. It's probably because men have an issue with looking. But women, you're not the only ones. Men, you can change what you wear. Represent the king. There's phone numbers in your phone you'll delete. Well, they're just old friends. No, they're not. They're a connection to who you were. Not who you're called to be. There's words you won't say. And I'm not just talking about profanity. I'm talking about spiteful words, angry words, condemning words. I'm talking about something that says, oh, could you believe that? Per-? No. When, you're hurt, when your words aren't aligned with the heart of God, they come out with bitterness. And they're tasted by everyone who hears them. There's music, movies, pictures that you just won't listen to or watch anymore. Well, that, that, that stuff doesn't really bug me. Doesn't bug what you're allowing. But it also doesn't edify the spirit within you. Does that mean I should live without a TV? If you need to. I remember early on, early, early on. I heard, I heard a testimony from a young man, and I thought, this kid is going to be a world changer someday because of one statement he made. He was in the youth group, and he was dealing with, like a lot of youth of their days, pornography, lust, masturbation, all these things. And just walking him through, you know, kind of simple things. When do you deal with this the most? There are patterns. A lot of times we think that it's totally spiritual when sometimes it's just stupidity. He said he dealt with it almost every night right before bed. What do you do before bed? I surf the internet. Are you looking at bad things? Not usually. How many of you have ever been on the internet and found yourself in a place you didn't plan on being when you started? We say, well, why don't you stop doing that and see what happens? He goes, wait, do you think that could be the reason? <laughs> Enemy, spirit of stupid. Um, and we said, Yes. You're opening yourself up to areas of temptation that you're obviously not fighting well. He went home and had his parents disable the internet on his computer. Came back and said, I don't want to use the internet for the next six months because I want to see if this is real. At that moment, I thought, this kid's going to change the world. 
because he didn't try to figure out a way around it. Okay, well, I'll just do this. I just, he didn't find the easiest path to the least amount of success. He said, if this is a possibility, I'm getting rid of it in my life for at least this amount of time. And honestly, he ended up leaving the youth group because he went on a missions trip almost immediately after that because you could see you could see the change in his life almost instantly. Because he determined that there was nothing in his life that he was going to allow, allow to compromise who he was called to be. First Corinthians 15. Do not be mislaid. Bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrupts good character. Well, Jesus went to the bars and talked to the sinners. Yeah, he was perfect and he was representing full character. You're just trying to hang out. Well, I don't want to seem preachy. Don't worry, you're not. You could be a mute and still not preach. Or you could be a mute and preach your full life. The way you walk actually talks louder than what you say. We all know this. I'm pure and I'm watching porn. Well, what I did did not actually line up with the words out of my mouth. So don't worry about what you're saying to people. Don't worry about what's going on. Make sure that your life is representing everything it's called to be. Get rid of the people that are actually pulling you. Here's the thing. If you and a non-believer are hanging out, if there isn't a significant change in their life when you're done, you weren't effective. Because the reality is if there's not a change in theirs, there's a change in yours. Small bits of compromise, small bits of allowing things to slowly make you okay with what the world says is okay, rather than standing firm as who you were called to be. Does that mean after an hour with somebody they should be completely changed? No. It just means they should be hungering and thirsting after something that you represent that they don't have. Romans 5. Not only that, but we also glory in tribulations, knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, and perseverance character, and character hope. How many of you know that the challenges of your life are actually the preparation of your character? If that's true, who do you think's allowing the tribulations of your life to happen? Well, the devil's just kicking my butt. No, God's letting you get formed. He's wanting to see what you do when there's challenge. Read the story of Job. Everybody, that's your homework. Go read the story of Job. Don't get offended that God let it happen. Realize that he was proving a point to the devil, saying it doesn't matter what you do, he will never Say no to me. Here's the good news. How many of you have ever made a mistake? 
If you didn't raise your hand, you're a liar. <laughs> How many of you have felt like when you actually did something, that when, you're, when you recognize that your character didn't line up with what God's calling you to, how many of you felt like you disappointed God and that he was a little bit more distant at that moment? Okay, I want to break that lie off you today. God doesn't change his mind about you when you slip. He chases you down and confronts you so that you can grow. See, the funny thing is that we sometimes feel like, I know I sinned. Maybe it's the extent of sin, or I know I'm not walking out the way I should. I'm, I'm allowing my character to not represent who I am supposed to be and who he is. And instead, we feel like he's actually farther away. The reality is that he's closer than he was before. Do you know that God is never nearer or farther from you in any moment? He's always 100% there. What I'm talking about is our awareness of him. When we look at the places that we're not full, we think he's distant. What it is, it's the reality of his nearness and we're seeing what we're supposed to be. And it becomes glaringly evident that we're not lined up. So understand that when you slip, it's not him distancing, it's him coming so near that he's like, I want you to see what I've, I see. I want you to see what I've called you to be. Because I want you to actually choose to respond to the image and likeness that I say you are. Why don't you guys stand for a minute? This is where it gets real. So it's probably going to take one to start, but this is where it gets real. <laughs> there we are. Stay up here, Matt. How many of you know there is an area of your life that your character is compromised. And you actually have chosen to walk out the pleasure of that choice or those characteristics rather than the principles that have been set before you. I want you to come forward. We're not having the ministry team come up yet. This is you and God. You're coming up. You're doing what I did in the car. God, there's an area in my life that I am not walking out the way I'm supposed to. My character is not aligned with truth. And I'm sick of it. I can't have it. There's room up here in the front. Don't be scared. I don't spit too much. Come on. All right. Philippians 4, finally, brethren, whether things are true, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned and received and heard and saw, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. Can we just throw on, I, I kind of asked him last minute, just throw on a little bit of music. This is, where I want, this is what I want us to do.
If you're up here, don't think good thoughts. Use your words. Our words, our mouths create life and death. You need to kill something in your life right now, and you need to call the life of him into those areas. There are things that we have allowed in our lives that are character traits that do not line up with him or who he's called us to be. And I want you to just begin to talk to God and and don't worry about how long it takes. Just begin to tell him, God, I know that this is not good. God, I know that there are friendships that I have that are so important to me, but they're not what I'm supposed to be in. God, I know that there are phone numbers in my phone that I keep because we never talk, but it's just being there is, a, is a, an abonishment to the character you've called me to walk in. God, I know that there are things I do it, when I'm alone that, that I don't tell anyone because I'm embarrassed, I'm afraid, I'm ashamed. God, I don't want people to think of me illy, Ill, Ill or just think of me as something less than what they think now. God, break off my pride, break off these things in my life. And I want you to do this. I want you to, you have to tell him this. I want you to tell God that he has permission to break things in and around your life that are helping affirm those areas of character that you should not be walking in. And then be ready, because if you tell him you want him to do it, he's going to. And it's not going to feel good. And you may be uncovered. You may be embarrassed. You may be broken for a season. But in that, the fullness of his presence and his joy will come. His peace will be your standard. You with your mouths. Go ahead and turn the music up a little bit. You with your mouths. You just begin to speak out the things in your life that you know shouldn't be there. And we're just going to stay in this place for a little bit. And in a, in a few minutes, we'll probably have the ministry team come and begin to just partner with people in prayer. But I want you to do your work with God right now. You chose to be where you are. You choose to get yourself out. It's only through him you can do it, but you choose. You choose to be bold. I love how Matt came down here and he just, I don't want to be angry anymore. Some things may be embarrassing to say, but you know what? Wouldn't you rather be embarrassed and free than bound and silent? Father, I pray that you come and you encounter everyone in this place tonight. God, that you begin to reveal to our hearts and our minds the areas of character that we need to submit to you, that we choose to let these things go so that you can come in and fill us with your presence. God, you provide all things necessary to have beautiful, God-like, Christ-like character, but it is by our choice that we partner with those things. So God, we say today, I let go of the things that have been preventing me from being Christ-like in this area of my life. And I ask you to break off, just take away, strip these things so that I no longer can make those types of choices because I right now submit my choice to you, Father. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.